0: Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show
1: podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. Just delighted you're with me. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I think today may be the first day in a very long time. We have had calls from just about every single market uh, in which uh, we're on. And that's just delightful across the nation. Uh, you can join in and be a part of the show. We are being loose with phone calls today, so you can set some of the conversation uh, with me. And you can always text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777. Get the show notes, the email. Uh, you can travel along with me as I'm putting up pictures next week. There will be a lot of those. And uh, you can hang out with me on social media. Just text Eric to 33777. Before I get into any more phone calls, I've got a couple of things I need to run by you. At the start of the show today, I mentioned the CNN poll that is out. uh, That is just uh, horrible, horrible numbers and news for Joe Biden. This is how Jake Tapper started his show. And we're back with our 2024 lead. Horrible news, horrible for Joe Biden in our new CNN poll. While the president leads his Democratic competitors by a huge margin, two-thirds of all of the American people surveyed, 66% of the public, say that a Biden victory would either be a setback or a disaster for the United States. That was how he started his show, and then the CNN poll showed 35% approval rating of the president. Well, Gallup is out. Gallup is out, and this is not an anomaly. CNN has Joe Biden with a 35% approval rating. Gallup has him with a 39% approval rating, 57%. Disapproval rating among independents. It almost mirrors the CNN poll Uh, among independents. Thirty three percent approve, 60 percent disapprove. Uh, The Democrats were spinning this as CNN's poll got something wrong. It was an anomaly. It was an outlier. They called it. Nope. No outlier. Uh, It is consistent with the other polling. That's not good for the Democrats, but they take solace in the fight, in the GOP. It is now listen, I I, I know the screams some of you are going to make when I make the next statement. All I'm going to preface it with is this is a statement of the reality right now. It is not the reality of next year. It is not the reality of next November, just right now. An encapsulation in time. Polling shows consistently enough that the polling, they're not outliers. The numbers may be wrong, but the trend lines are so. Remember in 2022, turned out those trend lines showing the Democrats on the move were right. The trend lines here show that as of right now, at this moment in time, Donald Trump is an easier bet against the Democrats to lose to them than any of the other Republican candidates because everybody already knows who he is. Many of them really dislike him, and they don't like Joe Biden, but they don't view Joe Biden as an exhausting uh, situation. They don't like him. They think he's out of his mind, but they don't think he's going to start World War III, and they're worried about Donald Trump. Uh, All I'm saying is just keep that in mind. That's how voters view it. He has the opportunity to change it if he can learn impulse control, between now and then, but a lot of people are wondering, is it going to be him anyway? He is 50% of the polling right now, right where Rudy Giuliani was in 2007. And Politico, Jonathan Martin, uh, Politico's political bureau chief, has this column out, are the anti-Trump GOP forces starting to implode? What will go down as the week that the grand plan to de- will this go down as the grand plan week to deny Donald Trump the nomination? For months, high-level Republican lawmakers, donors, and strategists eager to block Trump has described in separate conversations an in-game. When it becomes clear in the early state and national polling, who is consolidating support, the most influential figures with ties to the lagging candidates? will stage a political intervention and tell him it's time to quit and rally to stop Trump. Such a plot has always seemed far-fetched. In fact, if Trump does emerge as the GOP standard bearer next year, we will look back on this week to grasp why. There was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's muffed launch, the fitting sad trombone conclusion to a pre-announcement period in which his stock sagged, at least among political insiders. Nobody was more thrilled about DeSantis' decision to begin his campaign on a balky Twitter stream than his current and prospective Republican rivals. Trump sees his fellow Floridian as weaker today than at any point since last year's midterms. And if DeSantis needs any more evidence that his giving the Heisman to the press has earned him only bad will, well, he can just take a look at the headlines from a range of outlets. Shortly before DeSantis began his bid, for the office of Washington and Lincoln in a chat room, Tim Scott entered the race in a fashion that further underscored why it's going to be hard to dethrone Trump. Announcing his candidacy Monday, Scott matched DeSantis' Elon Musk with Senator John Thune and Larry Ellison. Each of them conveyed an important message. By laying hands on Scott, Thune, the second-ranking Republican, sent a signal to the wider pre-Trump GOP establishment that the only black senator in the GOP is one of them. This may not mean much to voters, but along with Mitch McConnell's Tack and Embrace, it conveys a message to the donor class. Scott has wooed Larry Ellison, but it goes on from there. None of these people want to actually go after Donald Trump. Nikki Haley has largely avoided going after Trump. Mike Pence has as well. Tim Scott has. Vivek Ramaswamy has. Nikki Haley used an appearance before reporters in New Hampshire to target DeSantis for copying Trump. It was an admission from Haley, the first candidate against the former president, that she's not breaking through and needs to dislodge DeSantis. DeSantis. Perhaps most significant, Haley's criticisms of the person in second place rather than the one in first place in most states and national polls suggest the central challenge for non-Trump Republicans, their own voters. It's true. Even some senators have said uh, there's not a lot of love for Trump, but they're scared of Trump's voters and the noise that Trump makes against them. Somebody's going to have to figure out how to take on Trump. The DeSantis team is being the most aggressive about it, and Trump is focused on them. I have to say it did make me laugh today that um, Donald Trump Jr. put out a video that showed the the DeSantis walk onto stage from his video, and it shows Donald Trump comes out and tackles him off the stage, and there's a WWF uh, sound and vibe to it as Trump tackling him. And Christina Pushaw, who is the rapid response coordinator for Ron DeSantis, boy. Put it out, your dad couldn't even tackle that 100-pound Keebler Elf known as Anthony Fauci. (laughs) 100-pound Keebler Elf. (laughs) That's how she described Fauci. Something's going to have to give here. But also, also, please do keep in mind, it's really early, y'all. We're not even at June do you know in 2012 or 2011, Rick Perry didn't even announce his presidential campaign till August. A lot of candidates don't until June or July. Mike Pence is going to wait until June to make his decision. It's early still. In June, you'll have six to seven months left still before the first uh, votes are cast in Iowa with the Iowa caucuses. It's early. Uh, people are already starting to burn out on 2024. It's true. Donald Trump, he's locked in right now about 50, 53%. That seems to be a ceiling. Uh, Can someone get him down to a floor? DeSantis seems to be at a floor. Can he get up to Trump's ceiling? We'll see. There's time. The other candidates, I think, are going to have to wait for Trump and DeSantis to maybe annihilate each other, which I don't think is going to happen. The other thing you got to remember is that there is more of a desire in the press to stop Donald Trump than there is among the GOP. Trump was a winner for them for a time; he beat Hillary Clinton and lived to tell the tale. So there's this existential zeal among some in the political class and the consulting class and others to just end him. I, I I think he's more vulnerable than the other Republicans. I think he'll be harder to. It'll be harder for him to beat Biden. I think that is a true reality. But I don't feel this existential threat from Donald Trump the way some people in the press do. And so their entire arguments are all about, can anyone stop Donald Trump or are they all just like Donald Trump and it's all about Donald Trump, which if you will recall is why Glenn Youngkin back in 2021 never bothered to hold the press conference, did, didn't, didn't engage with the press because everything was all about Trump, always, always about Trump. You can bypass him to some degree. Brian Kemp did in Georgia. But... Too many members of the press are obsessed with him. And so everything is about who's going to stop him. Well, it's early. The race is just getting started. We'll find out if someone can or if someone does. But it's not going to happen today. And it never was going to happen today. But the press wants it to have happened yesterday. Now, let me squeeze in a phone call here before I go to commercial break. Uh, Peter, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. How are you doing, Eric? Good. How are you?
2: Good. So, uh, first and foremost, I'm not trying to do bait and switch, but um, I have two questions really. One is a prelude to my second, which I really want an answer from you on. But um, I'm not understanding why Republicans and why we don't address some of these issues that the left launch at us first and foremost is you know this whole issue and concern about climate change well you know what oh the climate has just changed i changed from 71 to 72 degrees i mean (laughs) that happens all day long it's just asinine to me but to say that we're not gonna harvest fossil fuels and oil and Whatever our resources are, is asinine. Yes. Because we will never be rid of our need for oil. I mean, look around you. Everything that we have, uh, I'm looking around. The table, the furniture, the clothing, Last
1: I Last I knew, Peter, uh, the tires on Teslas are put together with fossil fuels.
2: (laughs) Everything. And it's not just for fuel. I mean, you're talking about... Well, we have a supply chain problem, right? Well, you know what? Then Biden's limiting and reducing our ability to produce products that we need. We'll need forever. And by the way, pharmaceuticals require all kinds of oil products and fossil fuels. It's just absurd. I don't know why the Republicans or whomever doesn't just say, you guys are idiots. Because yeah, we yeah, will yeah. never be rid of our need for fossil fuels.
1: You know, it, it, when I interviewed DeSantis yesterday on the radio, we talked about that a little bit. And he's like, I, I don't care what the market decides. You want to buy an electric car or buy an electric car, but you, you're not going to get rid of fossil fuels. Uh, and, and somebody needs to make that case more and more. The the fact of the matter is it's uh, these the, the left owns a narrative in the media. And, you know, there was a report out. I mentioned I, I started to mention this the other day, and I ran out of time. There is – major environmentalist groups have been paying uh, news outlets to hire environmental reporters to cover the story. And so, so many news outlets now are covering these stories with left-wing talking points, hiring progressive environmentalist reporters, and they they dominate the conversation. They won't allow Republicans even to respond. But Republicans also know they don't really need to respond as much because you will respond in the ballot box when your costs keep going up, as the Democrats keep forcing these things on you, it actually becomes a marketplace matter when you go out and reject Democrats who keep driving up your costs because they want to force you into a battery-powered car. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is eight seven seven I'm going to go back to the phones. Uh, Paul, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Hey. Uh-
2: Hi there. I have the perfect solution for, uh, for making Social Security system solvent into our children's lifetime. And that is by eliminating the $162,800 wage cap on contributing to the fund. Why not have everybody uh, uh, contribute their own 6 to 6.2% of their wages, and it would fully fund the system? It would be able to. It would be enough funds to expand the system into the future.
1: That's actually one of the ideas that a lot of people have dis- uh, discussed. That, and because it is a tax, you don't necessarily have to give it back. So you could technically say to the billionaires and multimillionaires. You're not getting your Social Security money back. Um, there would be a massive lawsuit over that one, but that's one of the ideas being contemplated: is just take the cap off of it. Um, for those of you who don't know, your your wages are capped. Your every dollar you make above a certain number, you don't have Social Security withheld on that. Um, I forget what what is this the, the first hundred, some odd thousand dollars? I forget exactly. Hundred um, sixty-two thousand eight hundred. Yeah, uh, and that is one of the ideas. The problem, however, is is more fundamental than that, uh, Paul. And thanks very much for the uh, for the phone call. It's that we are producing less and less people, so we have fewer and fewer Americans. Social Security was based on you pay into the system, but the government started using that money when Lyndon Johnson was president. The deficits were looking so big that Lyndon Johnson started putting the Social Security numbers into the overall federal budget so that it made his war funding in Vietnam look less expensive than it was. And we started putting IOUs into the Social Security Trust Fund, which isn't a real thing. That's why Al Gore, if you remember in 2000, he had his lockbox, Al Gore's lockbox. Uh, He was saying that there would be a separate segregated fund in the budget for Social Security. There's not really one and so you're supposed to pay into it your money's supposed to earn interest over time and you're supposed to get that money back as a certain percentage point that's not really how it's working and we have now essentially it's younger people are paid into the system to pay the money to the older people but there are fewer and fewer younger people we're not producing as many our birth rate has gone down at a certain point it becomes unrecoverable you're producing so few people in fact, there are parts of China that have seen an 80% drop in people in Japan as well. You know, there's this new market in Japan for used homes. Japan apparently doesn't have a culture for used homes. like they you, you don't go by and fix up somebody's house abandoned house. They don't do that in Japan apparently. There's this big story in the Wall Street Journal a while back, but people have started doing this now because there are a lot of abandoned homes in Japan now because there are so few people. The reproduction rate there, seeing a kid in some parts of the country, is an anomaly. And we're in danger of heading to that point. Uh, And that messes with the whole system, regardless of what we do with withholdings. Now, when we come back, I will take your phone calls. It is an open line today. I'm happy to have you. 877-973-7425. We also need to talk a little more about this EPA case. It has become a scandal on the left. They are apoplectic about what a unanimous Supreme Court did. And if you read much of the media's coverage of it, this is what's so notable about it. If you read the media's coverage, you will not know it was a unanimous opinion from the United States Supreme Court. They make it sound like it was a 5-4 decision of rabid conservatives who did what they did. And yet Obama and Biden's appointees to the court also agreed to the decision. I'll take your phone calls, 877-973-7425, and we'll talk about that. Greetings, conversationalists. Delighted to have you with me, 877-973-7425, should you wish to be on the program. Pamela, you've been waiting patiently. Let me get to your phone call. How are you?
3: Hi, Eric. How are you today? Great. Um, I have two, hi there, two-part question. Uh, First of all, I I heard a talk show host uh, just recently, now a talk show host, he said that DeSantis wasn't masculine enough to take on Trump. That he needed, um, um, who was the uh, gentleman over in Jersey that's entering the race, the uh, Trump Chris rival, Christie, Christie uh, Chris Christie. He said he needs someone like Chris Christie, um, to, you know, for competitive But in my opinion, DeSantis, I, I like a good intellectual conversation, not one of the will of the. Uh, egos, which is what you're going to find with Trump and uh, Chris Christie as well. Another journalist um, had mentioned, I read an article, the journalist was asking Tim Scott about his virginity and why he was still a virgin. Did you read that?
1: Oh, yes. It was a Washington Post reporter who who really thought he was a very brave questioner for asking Tim Scott about his sex life.
3: Yes, I thought that was absolutely ridiculous. Yes, Um, nothing to do with the president, and to me that is very um, biased, and that shows the journalist's lack of intellect as well as biased opinion. Or, 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 excuse me, questioning. Uh, One more uh, question I wanted to ask. Another, Um, do you? How do you feel about the masculinity subject? Before I ask the next question.
1: You know, uh, th- there's this weird thing happening on social media where, where there, is, there are some people who just, uh, they, they've kind of embraced it as a persona. It's, it's not about being a better father, a better husband, a better man. It's about, well, I've got to put on muscle and get ripped and, and be in shape, and that's what it means to be a man. I need to be able to throw a punch as opposed to raise a child
3: well yes and and by the way, DeSantis has three children, I guess he's yes. pretty masculine, <laughs> yes, pretty masculine if if you were to go by those guidelines, but um' also, I wondered the battle between trump DeSantis if um in the future, if Trump were to actually be nominated as president, would that be a huge uh Um, conflict as far as presidential and govern governorship i guess DeSantis would still have two years left do you think donald trump could possibly override him on some of his uh, governor um abilities so no he he felt like he wasn't loyal
1: it's a it's a separation of powers and a federalism issue so the the president can't really interfere with the governor of florida what he does i mean he could launch department of justice investigations something like that pamela but he can't he can't stop the governor from being governor. He could say, "Hey, Florida, you know, hurricane relief for you this year." Uh, he could do something like that, or at least try it. Um, those are the things you have to watch out for. But generally, no, um, there's a separation there. You know, uh, the, Pamela raised the um, raised the masculinity issue. I, I've noticed this lately. Uh, it is a subset of younger white dudes on Twitter. And it's all about the gym body and the gym bros, and they got to be in shape. Now, listen, I, I I can stand to lose weight. I've been going to CrossFit, uh, getting in shape. I I can, I can do my burpees, but it's this very weird thing of I've got to I got to put on muscle and look just so it doesn't matter your character. It doesn't matter how you treat people. It doesn't matter whether you're raising a family. None of this. It, it's all a some sort of physical vain appeal. It's a very weird phenomenon. And it is uh, younger guys on the right in, in this, I don't know, these weird alt-right circles. It's all about the body. It's it's very, I don't know, it seems very homoerotic to some degree. These are also the same people who don't think you can have a, like, really good friend as a man. Can I just say, that that's that's random, random, Pamela, this is all your fault. I have also noticed this trend in the media. That So, like, you can't have a tomboy anymore. You, if, if your girl is a tomboy, clearly she's transgender. If your boy is effeminate, clearly he actually wants to be a girl. Nope, you, you can't have effeminate boys and tomboy girls. Uh, it's, it's all about transgenderism. And if you have two guys who are really good friends, nope, they must actually be sexually attracted to each other. So, and I take this one personally, um, just roundabout. When I grew up, kind of lived an isolated existence, growing up overseas, did not have a, a, I was friends with everyone and got along fine, but I really didn't have a lot of close friends. I finally, as I've gotten older, I have developed really close friends with other guys, uh, all of whom we were married, we've got kids, and sometimes you just need a break. You want to go hit golf balls. You want to hang out. Uh, you want to go go off on the weekend on a guys' trip to hit golf balls. And the, the number of people these days who have just said, "Oh, that must mean you're actually gay. Uh, that that must mean you you must be attracted to each other." No, you just want to go drink beer and hit golf balls for a weekend. There's nothing else there. Your your kid can be a girl and and be into Tonka trucks. Your boy can be into cooking and hanging out with mom and and not actually be a girl. And two dudes can go off for a weekend and hit golf balls and smoke cigars together without having Sigmund Freud get involved in the middle of it. Just what the heck has happened to people? They've all lost their minds. All right. (laughs) I'm sorry. I got to do this. I have to do this. Charlie, you can close the phone lines. You can, you can just you, you can take the rest of the day off. Why? Because my next caller has to be the last caller because the person's name is Omega. Welcome to the show. How are you?
4: I am doing fine. Thank you for taking my call. My, my comment is this, I love Trump. He did great for the country. But if he's elected again, uh, using a slang term, who is going to be his posse? He will turn on you like a snake. Everybody it's else true. Who, who have been loyal to him have wound up, you know, with legal fees out of the wazoo. So who is who is going to who is he going to
1: surround himself with? Not the not class A and not Class B people. You know, we've we've had the A's and we've had the B's. We'll be to the C's, the D's and the Fs in the next <laughs> go-round. I mean, all, all the major look, you I mean, seriously, you 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 had some amazing people. You had Rick Perry was the Secretary of Energy. You had Nikki Haley, was the UN ambassador, you had Mike Pompeo. Uh for a while there. You had uh what's his name? The General Mac, uh, Mattis, who was the Secretary of Defense. These are all like top of their game people, and they all went away. Mike Esper, Went away. All, all of them went away, and, and you're left with, like, the Mike Lindells and the Rudy Giuliani's of the world. Um, who would, Now, there will always be people who want proximity to power, but that's part of the problem, too, is the people who would be great at the job and don't need the power, they're, they're not going to deal with it again. Uh, William well, Barr who's go ahead.
4: People who are thinking about, should I vote for DeSantis or should I vote for um, Trump, they should think about this. You know, he, he d Who would his team be? His team has been decimated, and his and the way he did Pence, nobody's going to really trust him. The man was fantastic with the economy, like Bill Clinton was fantastic with the economy, but. Um, and yeah, then I'm, going I'm totally. I'm going totally female on DeSantis. This is totally female. All right. Is he too short?
1: Is he too short? <laughs> he wears boots. Uh, I'm a, I'm staying away from that one.
4: I'm sorry, but uh, most presidents are tall. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm not touching that one. My wife is taller than me, but I refuse to admit it in public. Don't tell her I just admitted <laughs> that. I'm 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 not touching that one. Now listen, Omega. I gotta because your name's Omega. You gotta be the last caller today. I wish the first caller's name was Alpha, and we could have the Alpha <laughs> and Omega and have an entire religious experience here. But you you gotta be the last caller. I love that your name is Omega. You have a wonderful Memorial Day. You too. Thank you very much. Delightful to talk to you. That that that's it, folks. Phones are closed. We have had the alpha and we've now had the omega and we're we're done with phones. Now I gotta actually talk to you. I gotta do my own work. That's what that's what I gotta do. I gotta tell you about the apoplectic meltdown about the Supreme Court. This really is too good. This is the headline. So Mark Joseph Stern is this hysterical little leftist who writes for Slate magazine, who is just his world has been rocked by the Supreme Court now being dominated by conservatives. And everything he writes about the Supreme Court is hysterical. You expect him to just pour gasoline on himself and strike a match. Here's his headline. Samuel Alito's assault on wetlands is so indefensible that he lost Brett Kavanaugh. This is a unanimous decision from the United States Supreme Court. On Thursday, the Supreme Court dealt a devastating blow to the nation's wetlands by rewriting a statute the court does not like to mean something it does not mean. The court's decision in Sackett versus EPA is one of the its, that actually is written there, one of the its most egregious betrayals of textualism in memory, put simply. The Clean Water Act protects wetlands that are adjacent to larger bodies of water. Five justices, however, do not think the federal government should be able to stop landowners from destroying wetlands on their property. To close this gap between what the majority wants and what the statute says, the majority crossed through the word adjacent and replaced it with a new test that's designed to give landowners maximum latitude to fill in, build upon, or otherwise obliterate some of the most valuable ecosystems on Earth. Now, first of all, this is not a new test. Antonin Scalia, when he was alive, laid out this test. The issue is adjacency. What does adjacency mean? And it used to mean it could also be neighboring. And the Supreme Court says, no, they must be connected in some knowable way. The problem here is in this case, it was a unanimous decision by the Supreme Court, and the left is going to great, great pains to avoid you knowing about this case at the Supreme Court being a unanimous case. This is how Bloomberg News covers this case. The Supreme Court put new limits on the Clean Water Act, slashing the power of federal regulators to protect wetlands, in a long-sought victory for a couple seeking to build a home near an Idaho lake. With one member of the court's six Republican appointees defecting as to the ruling's reasoning, the conservative majority has potentially given companies a freer hand to discharge pollutants. A victory for property rights advocates and defeat for environmentalists and the Biden administration, the opinion was written by Associate Justice Samuel Alito. Sackett versus EPA was a unanimous nine to nothing decision from the United States Supreme Court. If you read Bloomberg News, if you read Mark Joseph Stern from Slate, if you read the tweets from Chuck Schumer and other Democrats, you would never know it was a nine to nothing decision. Both Joe Biden's one appointee and Barack Obama's two appointees joined the George H.W. Bush, George W. Bush, and Donald Trump appointees for a unanimous decision. Again, the media has you believe it's five to four. It was actually nine to nothing. It was five to four on the ultimate reasoning, but even the liberals agreed with the decision, which is this. A couple bought a house. The house is not across the street from a lake that is considered a navigable waterway. The house is across the street from a creek bed that generally but not always has water in it that is not itself navigable. The EPA would not let the family build their house on this land because the land is marshy. And the EPA says because water under the ground drains into the dry creek bed, filling it up with water, and that water then flows into a lake and that lake is navigable then the dry land on which the House would stand that sometimes gets water under it is actually regulatable by the federal government. And all members of the Supreme Court said no, that if you visibly cannot tell that water flows from that property to the Navigable water, you can't regulate it. All of them agreed. The issue was adjacency, and the majority embraced Antonin Scalia's definition that the adjacency means they've got to actually be connected. They can't be at a distance. You literally had land, a road, and a sometimes wet creek bed before you even got to the lake. But the majority was unanimous. And the chattering class is appalled And they ignore it because they want to further discredit the conservatives and make the conservatives look bad on the Supreme Court. But actually, the case was unanimous. The only issue was, how do we define adjacency? And Brett Kavanaugh and the liberals on the court said, well, adjacency should mean not necessarily that they are connected, but they have the possibility to connect and are separated by only like a dam or a berm or something, which wouldn't apply in this case. The majority said, no, we're going to use what Antonin Scalia says, because otherwise it gives too much leeway to bureaucrats to screw with people. We're going to say the waters must actually connect to be adjacent. That's been around for a while. It's a standard most courts use, except the one out in Idaho. And now everyone will have to use the standard. And yet you would never know that from the way the media has chosen to cover this case, because the media is more about discrediting the Supreme Court than covering it fairly just remarkable bias by the media when it comes to these sorts of cases. They don't even care to be fair these days because they're all about the left-wing agenda. And that, my friends, is the problem. Now, your problem may be that you got stinky air in your house and you just want to get rid of it. One way to do it, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm is an air purifier, but it is also an air cleaner. It eliminates odors. It wipes out stinky odors. So I'm going to play golf in like 30 minutes. I'll be on the golf course, and I'll have a cigar. And if my car smells like my cigar after my golf game, I can fire up the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, plug it in with a USB cord into the car, turn it on, and it'll wipe out those odors. You'd never know I had a cigar smell in the car. I don't actually smoke cigars in the car, but occasionally the smoke gets in. But anyway, smoke odors, pet odors, litter box odors, cooking odors, musty odors, it wipes them out. You can plug it directly into the wall or with a USB cord in a car, and right now you can get buy one. You get one free. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in the code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Buy one, get one. Buy two, get two. Buy three, get three. You get it. EdenPureDeals.com. Discount code ERIC. So here's your breaking story of the day. Remember all the leaks about Tucker Carlson from Fox News and stuff, and Tucker people were blaming Fox, and Fox was blaming Dominion? This just hit the wires from the Tampa Bay Times. An FBI search earlier this month at the home of media consultant Tim Burke and his wife, Tampa City Council Member Lynn Hurtak, stems from an investigation of alleged computer intrusions and intercepted communications at the Fox News Network, the Tampa Bay Times has learned. The Times obtained a letter Thursday that a Tampa federal prosecutor sent to Fox News, which describes an ongoing criminal probe into computer hacks at the company, including unaired video from Tucker Carlson's show. The former primetime host was dropped by the network in April. The letter does not mention Burke, but the Times confirmed with two people close to the investigation that the matter relates to the May 8th search at a Seminole Heights home. The Times contacted Burke on Thursday evening and read him parts of the letter. Burke said he would ask his lawyer if he could make a statement. Friday morning, he said he could not comment. Hertak previously said in a statement, the search appeared related to her husband's work as a journalist. Assistant U.S. Attorney Jay Trezevant wrote the letter asking that Fox News preserve information and records related to the investigation for a period of 90 days. The government views the network as one of the potential victim witnesses of the alleged criminal conduct. The investigation concerns allegations of unauthorized computer access, interception of wire, oral, or electronic communications, conspiracy, and other crimes." Wow. So it may be that neither Fox nor Tucker nor Dominion leaked all that information. Uh, Very interesting. By the way, this is the guy who uh, exposed the catfishing of Manny Teo. Same person. Wild. You guys have a great weekend. Judy was boring. Hello. Then
0: Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com.
4: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
4: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Judy.